You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. How is everyone? Good, good. Well, we are continuing our Choices series. My name is Brian. This is my beautiful wife, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Thank you for teaching with me today. Thank you. Very good, very good. Well, as always, whenever I, like, whenever I teach, I like to show a picture of my kids, mostly because it annoys them. And so I'm going to show that. We have four kids, three boys, a little girl, and then we have a dog named Moses. And uh, our daughter thinks that she's one of us. He and, uh, is one of us. He is one of us. Yeah, she thinks he's one of us. Well, if you're joining us online or if you're joining us in the venue or at Olathe, we'd like to welcome you as well. And uh, just a heads up, in a couple of weeks, the message is going to be built around questions that we have. And so those questions are going to come from us as a congregation. So if you would send any relationship questions in to questions at visitgracechurch.com, then our senior pastor and his wife, Tim and Kathy, they will take those on in a couple of weeks. So uh, send those in either today or through the week. Now, our topic today is choices regarding sex, and you've heard that earlier, and so just as a quick reminder, it is a PG uh, rating on the message today, so if you you would rather your kids not hear the topic at this time or in this context, you can take advantage of Grace Kids for fifth grade and under, and then Grace Students is going to meet us in the lobby, or meet you in the lobby, uh, for sixth grade and above uh, in all of our our, uh, venues. So this is a bit of uh, of an awkward topic to talk about. Especially in this setting. And uh, some of us, when we hear about it in this setting, uh, we've actually had a couple of uh, responses. Uh, Either giggles, (laughs) you guys are talking about that Uh at church, or ugh. (laughs) And so some of us are already dreading the topic. And uh, I think maybe you might be among them. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. First I said, no, we're not talking about that. And I said, how did we draw the short straw again? What is up with that? And I said, what are you talking about? I don't know what what you mean. But you know, it is such an important topic. It really is. And we're all each at a different season in life regarding this topic. And some of us are married and have been married for many years. And others of us may have just uh, recently been married. And then some of us are unmarried. And uh, saying, oh no, really, this topic again? Uh, So let me encourage you. Um, If you're unmarried, don't check out. Um, This topic is for you as well, and it is beneficial to know God's perspective on this topic um, when and if you get married, and it's also important to know because there's a a bigger picture that God has designed in this whole idea of intimacy, and so our hope for each of us today is that we legitimately hear from God regarding this, and there's so much pain sometimes associated with it and so much frustration sometimes associated with it, and that may be what's engendered in you. When this topic comes up, you may have shame or regret from past decisions or past actions or even current actions, and you may feel, feel shame. And this will, let us encourage you that the grace of God is big enough for any decision or any mistake that we've made. And so uh, we'd just like to encourage you to lean into that. You also might be just frustrated right now about your current situation. You might say, okay, there's, there's not a topic in our marriage that we've argued about more. It's tension all the time. He's asking for it. She's saying no. I don't even know what to do. And you could just be really frustrated 
and that may be where you are. It could be that the spark is just gone. And, uh, you know, we've dealt with frustrations and hurt in this arena in our marriage um, uh, in, in our years 27 past. years. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, or you may be an unmarried, it, ranging in age from a teen to an adult. And you're saying, oh, I'm not having it. I'm struggling to, to, to abstain and I want to follow God. But it's just all over the board. And still others are secretly saying, woohoo, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics. And so the, the, our audience is wide and it's varied. And so we realize and understand that. So before we get into the, the bulk of the content, we'd like to just take a minute. Our focus isn't going to be specifically to parents today, but we'd like to just take a little, little note to parents and just encourage us all. If, this is really an important topic to talk to our kids about, this whole idea of, of sex. You know, we, as we said, we've got four kids, and one of our, one of our boys said, yeah, I don't want to even be near the room when you guys are talking about this. I'm, I don't have anything to do with it. And our 10-year-old daughter said... That is so gross. Yeah, the perspective of a 10-year-old. Right. But one of our other sons, when we were um, talking about it and asking, you know, what are some things that we should be saying to um, unmarried? And, and he said, make sure that they know that it's not taboo to talk about it, that it's important to talk about it. It's important to talk to your parents or talk to your pastor or talk to your small group leader. And it should not be a taboo topic and something that you should be talking about. And um, even indicating that maybe we didn't talk about it enough in our home when he was growing up. Yeah. And it's important to talk about this topic with our kids, and it, and it comes earlier than we might think. You know, the best of materials starts the initial conversations with our kids at ages four and five, year, five, four and five years old. Age is, appropriately, of course. Right, age appropriately, but it starts that conversation. And if we haven't had kind of the birds and the bees conversation with our kids, by about the age of eight... They're getting that content someplace else, it's, more, li- it's more, more than likely. And that age of eight is about third grade, which is shocking. And this is the beginning of, I've heard it said, the beginning of a 13 to 15 year conversation. It's not a one-time conversation that you have on how it works, but here's all the conversation that you have as they grow and the things that all the decisions that are around it. Yeah. And for all of us, sex is all around us. It is. It is everywhere. It's in TV. It's on the TV. It's in social media. It's in the movies. And it's in everything that you like, even commercials, innuendo and, um, and images that we see, almost to the point that we are bombarded with it or maybe even desensitized to it. But rarely is it portrayed as it should be, and what is reality, and what sex should be. It's almost in an inappropriate way. And, um, and so very often, this is not, so this is not, that portrayal is not what God intended. And very often, it puts us in the position of thinking that sex might be bad, or that it's, is it good? Is it bad? Should I fast forward through that? Is that, should we not talk about it? Should we talk about it? And maybe even asking, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't process it that way. That is not what I'm thinking of. Or am I doing something wrong in all of that? But, you know, this is, sex is something that God gave us, and it is intended for good in the right context. It's a great thing. And so today we're going to talk about God's design for sex and some questions that we, or some decisions and choices that we may have about sex. So first we're going to pray and ask God to give us words and to speak to all of us. So let's do that and invite him into our service. Father, we do love you, and we thank you for all that you are. And Lord, we're just grateful 
that you give us uh, instruction and guidance on every practical area of our lives. And Lord, we, we thank you for that. Would you speak to us? Lord, would you speak to each of us individually based on where we are and in our relationship with you? And Lord, we just commit that to you. And we ask you would be present. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's where we're going to be starting today. Kind of an overall statement of what we're going to have, just kind of overall. Sex is not just about sex. Sex is not just about sex. It's about something bigger than that. It's about more than just the physical act. Now, before we give our first point specifically, I want to do a little bit of a word study. And uh, we know that things in the Old Testament or physical things are a picture of something spiritual in our lives. And so we're going to walk through that because that same thing holds true for this topic. Okay? So let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 16, Paul's talking here and he says this. He says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So that word joined means to cling or to stick together like glue. That's very clearly talking about a physical act. Okay? Then in verse 17, there's a shift that happens. But he who is joined, it's the same word, to cling or to stick like glue. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Well, that's not talking about a physical act. Verse 16 is talking about something physical. Verse 17, there's a shift that takes place. And it indicates a spiritual, something spiritual that's going on. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, there is a spiritual union that takes place. There's a picture of something greater and something bigger that's going on, and it's an indication of something beyond just the physical. So let's take a look at another word. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word called yada, and that Hebrew word yada is translated a variety of ways throughout the Old Testament. And one way that it's translated, we see in in Genesis chapter 4, in verse 1, it says this, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. That word knew is yada. K-N-E-W. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. That's very clearly talking about a physical act, right? Well, that same word is also translated in Psalm 139 a couple of different times. Verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You've searched me and yada me. That's not a physical act, right? That's, a, that's something different than what we saw in Genesis 4.1. But it indicates something spiritual, a deeper knowledge, a deeper knowing of somebody. Then in verse 23, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know, yada, my heart. Try me and know, yada, my anxieties. It's a picture of a deeper relationship. God pursues us to know us. It's not just the physical. There's a deeper intimacy and a deeper relationship that's indicated and that's talked about here with this, uh, with this word study. And it indicates a deeper relationship that God wants with us. And it gives us a picture of what intimacy and therefore what sex was designed by God to be in the context of marriage. So here's our first point. Number one, intimacy is a physical picture of a spiritual relationship that God wants with believers. Intimacy is a physical picture of the spiritual relationship that God wants with believers. And this point is for all of us, whether we're married or whether we're unmarried. God wants a deep 
an intimate relationship with you. He wants a deep and intimate relationship with me. And that picture of God knowing us so in such a deep relational um, level is also what we as wives want from our husbands, isn't it? So you think about how God pursues us and he searches us out. He knows our heart. He knows our anxiety and he knows what's going on. And it just reminds me of those times when Brian says, so how do you feel about that? what do you think? Or he's excited to come home to see me. Or at the end of the day, he says, so how was your day? And then he sits and listens to every painful detail that I tell him about (laughs) my day. Does does anyone, can anyone relate to that? Because usually one or the other is more detailed than the other. I'm the detail girl. She, she is very detailed. But here's the thing. So she'll ask me, how was your day? My tendency is usually to tell her what I did during the day. That's a different question. She doesn't want to know necessarily, oh, I had a meeting at this time, and then I went to lunch, and then I had a... That's not what she's after. What our wives, I think, are really after is for us to open up and say how my day went. That speaks to me. It speaks to my heart. It's relational, and it requires me to be more vulnerable. Because I can pretty intellectually say, yes, I did this, this, and this, and not let her in. But if I say, this is how my day went... That, that starts speaking to the, to the deeper relational level of what's going on and what's happening. And that depth of relationship, that's what God wants with us. That's the picture that he's given us. He pursues us and he knows us and he wants to ask about our dreams, our anxieties, and all of that. So, sex is not just about sex. But that being said, let's talk about God's design for sex and this level of intimacy that he has, he's given us. So that's our point number two. Sex was designed and given by God for marriage. It was designed and given by God for marriage. In Mark 10, 6 to 7, it says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, stick like glue, to his wife. And that leads Paul to say in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. It is uniquely personal. A couple's sex life is uniquely theirs, mine and my husband. And it was designed and intended by God for marriage. Right. And sex is a good thing in marriage. It's not bad. It's not dirty. And sometimes that's an interesting balance to, to, to maintain, especially when we're talking to our kids about it. Because you're talking about building boundaries, and it's easy to portray, well, this is, a, this is a bad thing. Sex in marriage is not a bad thing. God didn't intend it to be a bad thing. And one of my favorite passages regarding this relationship is found in Proverbs chapter 5. So Proverbs 5, verses 18 through 20. And the author starts in verse 18. He talks kind of down through that whole section about the marital relationship. In verse, eight, verse 18, he says this. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Rejoice. Have fun. Marriage should be fun. You should like your spouse. Lean into that. Enjoy each other. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. So he starts there kind of with the relationship piece that we've been talking about. Then in verse 19, he goes pretty physical and pretty specific. So look what he says in verse 19. Be satisfied with her breasts. It is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It is. Amen. Right? It is. 
But here's the thing. Be satisfied. There's a phys- there is a physical relationship. That's true. But it's a part of the bigger relationship. And guys, be satisfied with our wives. That's what God intended. That's what he wanted. But there's also some things that kind of are inferred by that. Meaning, it doesn't mean that we should be satisfied or looking at everybody else's wives. And it also means pornography is off the table. And it also means inappropriately looking and thinking, guarding our minds because we're satisfied with our wife. We're satisfied with her. And then in verse 20, he comes back around to the, to the relationship side. He, he makes his statement, be enraptured with her love. And that word enraptured is, is translated as intoxicated in some other versions. Be intoxicated with her love. That's a pretty specific thing. Being intoxicated, dote on her, love her, do things that she likes, do things for her. Be intoxicated. Look at her face. (laughs) Be intoxicated with her. She's loving that feast. Be intoxicated with her. And I have also prayed similar, a similar prayer for me, for my husband, that I would be enraptured with his love. Yeah. And I've prayed, and Michelle knows this, I've prayed that passage down through the years. um, Because that's what we want. But he bookends that physical piece with the relationship piece. And this concept is for all of us spiritually. It really is, whether we're married or whether we're unmarried. This doesn't just apply to married people. And here's why. It's the same thing that God asks and wants of us. He wants us to be intoxicated with him. He wants us to pursue him, to dote on him, to think about him, to love him unconditionally. That's the picture. And we can pray that we would love him like yeah. that, that we would fall in love with Jesus, that we would be intoxicated with his love for us. So sex is good, and it's right in the context of marriage. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 7. And remember in verse 2, that's where Paul said that to have your own wife, your own husband. And so he continues on in verse 3 and 4. And Paul says to husbands, give your wife the affection that is due to her. And wives, give your husband the affection that is due to him in the marriage. And he goes on to say that we as married people do not have authority over our own bodies, but the spouse does. So someone in our sermon review that we do during the week said it like this. He said, it's like you sign your rights to your body over to your husband or to your wife. And with that comes mutual responsibility, mutual respect, But sex in marriage is other-focused. It's focused on the other person. It's uniquely ours, me and Brian. And so it's important to see that as a a giving of the the rights. And not to belabor it, but it's important to remember, too, this applies spiritually as well. And here's how. Our body is for God. When that spiritual union takes place, when we ask him to be our Savior and we say, okay, I belong to you, that includes all of us. He wants control of our body. It belongs to him. We need to give him his due, which means we go where he asks us to go, which means we do what he asks us to do, not necessarily what we want to do. That's the spiritual picture flows through that and is is very real. So then in verse 5, it says, do not deprive one another. So that means don't take the sex away for punishment or a bargaining chip. Don't take the sex away. 
except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. It's an agreed upon time, an agreed upon thing. And come together again. It's temporary. So that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So God gave us sex in marriage as a regular part of the relationship and intimacy that is found in the context of marriage. So since this is such a great gift and this is such a great thing that he's given us, why do we struggle? Why do we have hurt feelings? Why do we have a hard time with this? Why, why are we not on the same page sometimes? Well, one reason takes us to our third point, which is this. Men and women think about sex differently. Now, most of us aren't saying, really? But men and women think about sex differently. It's kind of intuitive if we've known a man or a woman, right? We're just wired differently. Uh, men are much more image-driven. I mean, we can see an image, and it can do something in us. Much more image-driven. And for most men, the thought of sex is almost always right below the surface. It's almost always right there. I read a 2016 survey about that, and 54% of men said that they think about sex at, at multiple times throughout the day. 54%. As opposed to ladies who said 19% of them said that they think about sex multiple times throughout the day. And sometimes you can go all day and not think about it at all. It's not even on your radar. What? I was doing the dishes. I was busy. You see the tension? (laughs) But women are 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 less image-driven and more relationship-driven. And so that it's how, how he makes me feel as opposed to what it looks like. And the physical act of sex is typically not as much on our mind as in men. Right. Because men are pretty much always ready to have sex, right? It's been described as a switch, which is why if there's an argument that's happened in the marriage and the guy after the argument can say, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I can have sex. And the woman says, what is wrong with you? No, I'm not having sex right now. Because we process it differently. And women are not always ready. It's a little bit more like a rheostat rather than a switch. It's a rheostat. It goes a little bit slower. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't want to ever have sex. It just means that we're wired differently. It's different. It's more about the closeness and the relationship and the intimacy. Yeah. And it really does go back to the, the, the concept of intimacy. Because it's about sex is not just about sex. Sex is about the deeper relationship and the intimacy that really, in the end, we both need. Both the both spouses need, and it's that depth of relationship that, yes, it encompasses sex, but again, it's a picture of God's pursuit of us. And remember, he always wants to have that intimate relationship with us. He's always ready to be in a relationship. And just as God's thoughts are for us and he is pursuing us, Sex, as God designed it, is other-focused. It's focused on the other person and thinking about the other person. And it sounds a little crazy, but for, for a woman to get her deepest needs for relationship met, she has to think about and focus on her husband's need, deepest need for sex. And for a husband to get his deepest need for sex met, he has to think about his wife's deepest need for relationship. And doing what you should do even if they don't reciprocate. And we should be reciprocating, but even if we don't, it's focusing on the other person. And we're not trying to say that only men want sex or need sex and ladies don't. Again, we both, God designed it for both of us 
in the marital relationship. And he also intended and designed the relationship for both of us in the marital relationship. And it really boils down to trust. This reciprocation, it boils down to trusting that the other will meet me. So if I do what Michelle needs relationally, it's trusting that she'll do, reciprocate that and do what I need physically. And again, it's not that just one needs it, the other doesn't. But that's what it's about. And it, you know, Michelle loves it when I load the dishwasher, when I fold the laundry. And she said she loves it when I, if I think about her in, during the day, if I just text her, she said, that's really nice. I like that. And I, really, I wouldn't have thought to tell you that. <laughs> yes, I think about you during the day. But okay. She loves it when I sit with her on the couch and just talk. Just sit and that's talk. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's her favorite. And sometimes it's counterintuitive to us as men. Okay, how does folding the laundry help me have a good sex life? This does not compute, right? But we think about it differently. We do, and that meets a relationship need for me. And men need relationship too. Brian loves it when I am interested in the things that he's interested in. He loves to do, ride his bicycle. And he loves it when I go riding with him. And he also does like a clean house. I would step over the laundry and he really likes it when it's clean. But the thing that sometimes we don't think about is pursuing physically. And so sometimes initiate sex. And sometimes say yes when we want to say no. And, and probably the emotions and the feelings will follow. And, and wives, sometimes we get the impression that, and Brian kind of alluded to it, that we get the impression that sex is just for the man. And it's not. It's, something, it's, like, it's not something that we just do to satisfy his drive and his, and his need because God gave it to both of us. And in the right context and in this deep, intimate relationship, it can be fun and fulfilling and great, and it can be such a wonderful thing for us. Well, one final point on this, uh, this topic. Um, it's really important to communicate about it. Since we think about it differently, we have to communicate about it. Tell your spouse what you like. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, Michelle telling me, hey, I like it when you text me in the day, is a really good thing. Don't be frustrated that your spouse isn't doing what you want if you haven't told them. And don't say, well, they should know, right? That's not helpful, right? It's most helpful for her to say, I really like it when you text me during the day. Well, okay, I can do that because I think about you. It's really, really important. Don't assume that our spouse knows what we want tell them. And that applies physically too, because in, in sex, in the act of sex, it's, it's important to communicate. I really like this. I don't really like that. And those kinds of things. Those yeah. kind of conversation is really important. So sex is a good thing in marriage. God designed it for marriage, which also means sex outside of marriage is not God's design. It just isn't. In First uh, Corinthians 6.18, it says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Sexual immorality is defined by Paul in that other verse that we talked about in verse 2, where he says to avoid sexual immorality, have your own husband and your own wife. And this is a bit of a foreign concept in society, in some circles, and even some in the church, that, um, you know, that it's really okay. Well, if you love him it's okay. If you really love him, it's okay. Or, well, we're going to get married, and so that's okay. Or friends with benefits. Or body count, which is how many have there been. And 
sexual purity is not typical in our world anymore, and certainly not what's portrayed on, on the things that we see. But sex outside of marriage is not the same as sex in marriage. It, it sounds weird, but it just isn't. It's not God's design. And any kind of sex outside of marriage is not God's design. In fact, he calls it sin. And this applies to every age. This isn't just for teenagers. This is for adults as well, outside of marriage. And so um, even aside of the fact that God says that that's not his design, sex outside of marriage, um, being sexually active outside of marriage, is, has a nev- negative impact on our lives. Right. And it's because, again, our big, our big thought is sex is not just about sex. That's not what it's just about. And it impacts more than just our body. It impacts our soul. Um, it impacts our future relationships. It's really difficult to not remember those things. And some of us have lived that. And it masks relational issues. And if, there is, if the physical is involved prior to marriage, it masks relationally some things. You may not even know if you like that person because it's so confused and distracted because of the physical. It's really important. If you don't like them, you may not want to spend the rest of your life with them. That's really important. And so it also Im- impacts our emotions. And sexual sin is against our own body. And guys, let me, let me just speak to those who are unmarried or single right now. You know, I talked to somebody uh, yesterday who's a, a single. And I think he said he's 30 or 31. And he goes, you know, it's really difficult because I, I hear the topic and I know the topic and I still have those desires and I, yet I'm not married and I'm trying to follow God and, and I, I don't know why God or if God will bring him a wife. I don't know. We don't know that. And I understand the difficulty of it. But in the end, the question for him in his singleness is the same for the question, the same question for us in married life, which is this. In the end, do I really trust that God's a good father? Do I really trust that he's got my life designed in the way that he wants it to be in order to accomplish something greater for his kingdom and for his eternity? And, and I, don't, I don't know whether God will bring a spouse for, for us when we're single, but I do know that the central question that we have to answer is, is God really enough? And that doesn't just apply to a single. That applies to me. If something happens to Michelle, I have to answer in my heart, is God enough? Am I gonna trust him with that? Am I gonna trust that he's still sovereign, that he's still in control, that he still loves me unconditionally? That's what it goes back to. And some of those questions are difficult. Some of those questions there's not a good answer to. But we have to, in the end, trust that he really does love us, that he died for us, and some of us here have made mistakes. And we say, okay, what, what do I do? What if I've made mistakes? Well, and it could be mistakes by unmarried, sexually active before marriage, or maybe sexually active currently. What do I do? Or if you're married, saying, okay, I've withheld sex, or I've withheld relationship from my spouse. Or there's adultery or pornography that's been involved. What, what do I do? Well, I was, a few weeks ago, I was just in my normal reading, my Bible reading program, and I ran into to John, I was reading through John, and it hit John 8, and I've read John 8 multiple times, but the first section jumped out at me, and it's, the first 11 verses is about the story of the, the woman caught in adultery, and I think Tim referenced this a couple of weeks ago, but I spun on that all week, 
Because the, the snapshot of the story is a, a group brings this woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they said, hey, we caught her in the very act. Now, they didn't bring the guy. They brought the, the lady. Um, we caught her in the very act. Um, she needs to be stoned. And so Jesus just kind of knelt down and starts, you know, he says, those who are without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Kneels down, he starts writing in the dirt. And he looks back up, and everybody's gone. And he says to the, to the woman, where, where are your accusers? And are, are, they not gonna hear, are they not here to condemn you? And, and here's what he says. He said to her, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you either. And realizing that regardless of our mistakes, regardless of what we've done, either sexually or otherwise, really, God's grace is the same, and he doesn't stand in condemnation. It's still sin, still wrong. We should confess it to him and say, God, I I confess this to you. I want to live my life as you would be glorified. Confess it to him, but don't beat yourself up. Don't don't be concerned or worried about what others around may think or may judge. He said, there's no condemnation. But he didn't stop there. Because the final thing he said to the woman that was caught said, go and sin no more. There's no condemnation, but change your behavior. Change it. And that speaks to that relationship that God wants. Because in the end, intimacy is about being vulnerable with someone, loving them unconditionally, and doing what would make them happy. That's a walk with God. Saying, I want to lean into you. And God, I'll follow you, I'll trust you, I'll be vulnerable in you. And I'll set the physical boundaries I need to set. I'll, I'll set anew. I can't change yesterday, but I can change today and moving forward. And I'll, I'll lean into that relationship with you. I'll memorize verses to help me in times of temptation and, and struggle. I'll do those things that practically I need to do to walk with you, to glorify and honor your name, and to save myself from my future spouse. And to be the spouse that, that God wants me to be in my marriage. And you, know, you may be here. And you may say, I don't really understand or know what this relationship with God even means or looks like. I hear you talking about this intimate relationship with God. Frankly, it sounds a little odd. That may be you. Maybe you online. And if that's you, that may be what God's prompting you to do today. And if you're married, God may be prompting you to pursue your own husband, to pursue your own wife, to study them, study their needs, their wants and lean into them. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love in our lives. And Lord, we do again, thank you for just the practical nature of your word and that it applies to us today, that it applies to our lives. And we ask that you would do in our lives and in our hearts uh, right now what you want, that we would respond to you. We would respond to your prompting that you, uh, you would speak to us. We ask this. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.